What's up, listener? Welcome to episode five of the Video Game Mythos podcast. For those of you who don't know, or may have forgotten because you're busy playing way too much Fortnite and aren't keeping up on your subscriptions to sweet podcasts like this one, shame on you. Video Game Mythos is a podcast where myself and or my co-host Ryan will reach inside the metaphorical and hopefully someday soon literal idea bucket and pull out a video game character or story, tear it wide open and do our best to deliver both the raw facts and the weird theories surrounding those submissions. Wait, what's that you say? What submissions? A literal idea bucket? Oh yes, listener. See, why you were all busy getting 82nd place in the latest round of Battle Royale because you thought it would be a good idea to drop in Tilted Towers, Video Game Mythos has created something for the fans and by the fans. That's right, it's this podcast. Each and every character and story we review is a fan submission, and that's why we are here, to take your ideas and suggestions and put them in the spotlight, because without you and your awesome picks, we wouldn't have this podcast. So that being said, if you have a suggestion for a character you would like to review on Video Game Mythos, be sure to send it over. You can send it straight to me in an email to michael at 13palmtrees.com. You can also send a birdie tweet straight to the team at the handle at VGMythos on Twitter, or hit us up on Facebook at facebook.com slash videogamemythos. Now, before you start plastering us with video game characters you want reviewed, take some time to think it over. Bring your A-game and get creative, because if your character sucks or is too bland, boring, or just doesn't meet the caliber of what it takes to headline the show, then they'll likely end up in the honorable mention section of the episode. And if they really suck, the dishonorable mentions. But don't worry, we haven't had anyone there yet. Don't be the first. Now before we drop into this week's lore bonanza of choice, I want to give a shout out to the recommendation of this week's headliner to Josiah Jones of Morgantown, West Virginia. I will admit that I was not eager to deliver this, but I made a commitment, and I intend to keep it, even if it costs me my dignity. Now, without further ado, let's drop in to Fortnite. The year, unknown. The planet, unknown. The reason that 98% of the world's population has went missing, unknown. What do we know? Well, not much. 98% of the human population is dead, gone, or missing. And the remaining humans found the skies around them covered in a dense purple cloud, creating menacing storms, lightning bolts, rifts, and all other kind of weird things that just keep spawning husks. The husks are humanoid zombie-like creatures that roam the seemingly unaffected flora and surrounding landscapes and do nothing but sleep and attack humans. Which is totally weird, because that's exactly what I feel like doing when I wake up. Did anyone ever just think to offer them a cup of coffee instead of heading straight to annihilation? Damn. Now, with 98% of the world disappearing, it is speculated in some theories that the husks are the population that died or were swept up in a storm and transformed. It isn't confirmed in-game whether or not those people died or transformed or taken by extraterrestrial beings, but it stands to reason they are dead due to the fact that the husks are very zombie-like and also on the back of the husk's head are like a weird mask flap type thing with various human faces on them that they occasionally wear. It's almost like the humans were transformed into this creature but kept a part of their faces as a semblance of who they once were. It's kind of creepy. Another theory suggests the humans were swept up and experimented on by aliens, and then they were returned back to the world, which is also a plausible take given the humanoid features and traits of the husks, and the weird human faces they wear, and the fact that the storm has to be coming from somewhere, so 
why not aliens? Anyway, the remaining survivors found a way to construct something called a storm shield, which, as the name suggests, is a giant dome that, while inside, the storm does not affect the individuals within. While in the shield, it clears the storm clouds from around the humans and the attacks from the husks are significantly reduced. Since you have a shield, the remaining humans have built a base around and within the shield, and it is your job, the player, the unequivocally most important person in the world, weird, to build your base bigger and bigger and create additional bases across the entire world, saving as many lives as possible and turning survivors into troops against the husk armies. So you have all these armies. Guess who is not only savior of the world, but also the commander of these armies? Bingo, you again. With this illustrious responsibility, you get to wander off into the storm, find resources, survivors, and other allies to help you with expanding the storm shield, and find a way to return the world to normal levels of mindless husks. Throughout your missions, you will get acquainted with a couple of neat characters. The first being Ray. Ray is a robot companion that, much like Navi from Zelda, will show up and give you story-themed hints as to where you should be going and what to do next. Between guidance and recommendations, Ray has also been known to berate the player's abilities which is really nice of her, as well as remind the players of the current objectives. Ray looks like a CRT television with arms and a hovering coned underbody. Ray was presumably created by Dr. Vinderman, the owner and founder of Vindertech, and the creator of the life-saving storm shield. And in case you were wondering what the V stands for in those shiny, highly desired V-Bucks, it's Vinder. Vinderman, Vinderbucks, V-Bucks, boom. Now this Vinderman guy, in the story, when you come up on the Plankerton mission, I'm probably dead, a tape plays with Dr. Vindeman's voice saying, if you're hearing this, I'm probably dead. Weird. He goes on to say that the player should continue fighting on as referenced in the next mission, fight on. Man, there's some stellar creativity there. Now here's the thing. The storm hit and then boom, Vindeman was like, hey world, here's a storm shield and robots that know about the storm and ways to defeat the husks and weapons, and blue glow, and blue glow siphons, and all this other stuff. So, what the hell, Vinderman? Did you know about the storm? If you did, why didn't you tell anyone, dick? So, all that being said, there's a tremendous amount of theories and lore that seem to suggest that Vinderman is not a good guy, and he is, in fact, evil. Supporting this theory, at the beginning of the game, the weird dude from the radio says that Vindertech, Vinderman's company, knew all about the storm, but did nothing to stop it and the blockbuster tapes you find make him and his company sound evil as all get out. On the contrary, however, Ray, your loyal companion, seems to think he is good, and you have no reason not to trust her up to this point, other than the sometimes really strange nods to murder and death that the Shebot makes. Vinderman has obviously been preparing to fight the husks for a while. The storm shields, the shelters, Ray, the carbide suit, probably the Vindertech weapon set, and most of the various techs you use like the teleporter drones are all likely him and his company's doing. So that begs the question, could Vinderman have done anything to stop the storm even if he wanted to, good or evil? He might not even have been able to do anything to stop the initial appearance, but after the fact, his tech gave us a fighting chance to survive. Or is he really a villain and it's all part of a larger plot? I guess we will have to wait till a future installment of the single player mode to find out. So all that Vinderman knowledge, you're going to suck up your feelings about Vinderman, pound those V-Bucks into your pockets, and beat the shit out of all the llama pinatas you can until you have all the cards you need to stack your weapon deck, your survivor deck, your hero deck, and every other virtual deck in existence. Seriously, there's a lot of decks to maintain, schematics to upgrade, and it is all super complicated at first. 
but you get used to it pretty quick, and all in all, it actually adds to the game pretty well, instead of being a gimmicky time spender like card decks are in most games. Now, you might be sitting here and thinking, uh, this isn't Fortnite. The Fortnite I know is much less mindful and way less complicated. The Fortnite I know is just popping in and hoping that you suck less than the 12-year-old on the other side of the mirrored OSI model. Well, guess what? That is the portion of the game that all of us lucky people who paid for the single-player mode are not funding. Our money is going towards the free mode that the world is blowing up over. Battle Royale. Battle Royale is a free-to-play, third-person, massive multiplayer online battle arena game where 100 players drop from a party bus into a random portion of a 1.5 square mile map. I made that up. I have no idea how big it is. And battle in all-out bloodless warfare until there is one person standing. The guy that hides in the bush and ambush someone with a rocket launcher or a shotgun for the win. Welcome to free gaming, everyone. Now, you can do this alone, or you can squat up in doubles, teams of four, or 50v50. But either way you choose to play it, 100 people is a lot of people to challenge with every weapon type. All around action, all the time. Now, when it comes to Battle Royale, there is a lot of weird things going on in the arena. And first being, what's the connection to Battle Royale in the Save the World mode, which is the co-op campaign mode we just got done talking about? Well, it appears that they are entirely separate. But as you heard before, with words like Rift and Storm, there are some common themes blending the two together, and they obviously take place in the same universe. As I mentioned before, in the Save the World story, 98% of the world's population disappears. And we covered some theories surrounding what happened there. Now that we are talking Battle Royale, there is another theory in that same vein. The majority of the population was sucked up by an alien race, and instead of being experimented on, they are being forced to battle to their death for the entertainment of a superior alien race. And two things on that front. In the season four of Battle Royale, there is a mysterious spaceship, so what's up with that? And secondly, technically speaking, those people are being forced to kill each other and fight to the death over and over again, and they are being watched by us. Oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Moving on. Another theory is that Battle Royale took place before the events of Save the World, and the husks are just the reanimated bodies of all the players who have lost their lives in the battle arena. And rightfully so, it's not an easy game to win, or to survive in, especially with all 99 other players trying to hunt you down, as well as the storm. Ah yes, the storm. The purple clouds of destruction. Whether it's a single player or multiplayer, the storm will kill you if you spend too much time in it. So what is it? Well, science suggests that what is happening in Fortnite is actually an acid rainstorm of sorts. What science, you ask? It's observatory science, of course. Take a look at the landscape. Do you ever see any wildlife? Why are the houses and the buildings abandoned and dilapidated? Probably because the storm is definitely something that degrades things over time. Or it could just be strange negative energy, which would explain why all my friends that play Fortnite are always depressed. That or they suck at it. Either one is equally plausible. Now, let's talk seasons. Some of the theories surrounding what is really going on and all the weird stuff happening in Battle Royale took place in seasons. Seasons 1 through 5 have arrived and 6 is just on the forefront. And so far, other than the senseless murder of millions of lives just so someone can post a dub on Snapchat, seriously, nobody cares, we are all still trying to figure out what everything means. 
And before we jump into this, I want to apologize because there are 10 million different theories and things to touch on, and I'm not going to get to all of them, but I'll try to hit the big ones. So here we go. Season 1. This was the inception of the game and when it was released. Not a lot to talk about here other than some small things that we've actually already touched on. Season 2. This was the inception of the challenges and daily bonuses, just like all the other battle royales and shooters that flood the market. This release brought the game to the current standards of Battle Royale games, which is pretty impressive for something that's free. Season 3. Bring on the extraterrestrial weird stuff. Which is awesome because it totally validated some of the fan theories we mentioned earlier. This season focused on outer space and was the beginning of all the weird fan theories in the meteor conspiracy that played a vital and pivotal role in the community discussions. When season three hit, the community was convinced that the Tilta Towers was going to get whacked and they all had the evidence to prove it. And then season four happened. Boom, the meteor hit. And guess what? Tilta Towers was still there. However, Dusty Depot was not so lucky. It got leveled and is now Dusty Divot. Other crater sites were created near prisons and tilted towers, but the damage wasn't nearly as catastrophic as the keyboard prophets were evangelizing. And speaking of evangelists, superheroes! This update added some superhero skins, as well as the superhero mansion and supervillain hideout, each with their own set of unique distinctions and logos that we think will end up making an appearance later on. Other new places such as Risky Reels, Villain Lair, Mansion, and Open Soccer Stadium were also added to the map. And speaking of mansion, go check that mansion out. It is totally a Fortnite rendition of Bruce Wayne's mansion from the Batman television series. Pretty sweet. And moving on, inside the impact crater is a research lab, and at the center of it is presumably the meteorite that was seen falling in season three. As you can see, research has already begun on what could be inside of the meteor. Over time, the meteor has been glowing red with something that appears to be a mechanical item inside. Not sure as to what it is, but it appears to be some sort of alien technology, but it won't be too long until we find out. On top of all that, a mysterious bunker has appeared in the Wailing Woods. No one knows what it's for. Wait, a mysterious bunker appeared in the woods? No one knows what it's for? What is this, lost? Speculation is it's going to open up in Season 6, but don't get your hopes up. A person will probably come out of the bunker, build a chicken restaurant, compete with the current Durr Burger chain that the skin from season five is based on. So he's been on the ground for two seasons planning to open a chicken restaurant. Okay, Gus Fring, we get it. It's a front for a meth empire. A conspiracy of aliens was also part of the season four theories. If you check out a well-enhanced photo of the meteor in the sky, you'll notice a large silhouette looking pretty similar to a UFO hovering behind it. In addition, there were also missions added to the Save the World campaign that mentioned alien abductions. On top of that, an alien skin was later leaked for Battle Royale that looks like a fishbowl for a head and the rest of the body looking like a spacesuit. Continuing on this theory roller coaster, between Snobby Shores and Greasy Grove is a destroyed house that appears to be done in by a single giant footprint. The theory is that it could be done by a dinosaur, which leads to speculation about Fortnite suddenly becoming the next Jurassic Park. After all, there are already a few dinosaur-related skins in the game, but what's weird is that there's only one single footprint, it's absolutely massive, and right outside the house appears to be a camera, suggesting that this could simply be a movie set from a film, which lines up pretty well since Moisty Meyer was turned into a film set. And Season 5. Amongst huge map changes and lots of cosmetic additions, The Cube. What even is this thing? 
Well, nobody knows, and we'll probably get more in Season 6. This thing moves around the map and is making some big changes. Weird stuff happens around the cube like low grav zones and other things, so some people think it's going to bring some big changes to Season 6. Actually, Season 6 and the launch of this episode just happened to coincide on the same day, and I'm sure Epic will find a new way to keep people absolutely guessing and absolutely enthralled. Outside of the seasons, here's some other cool things that this game has that keep fans wondering. If you've been playing Battle Royale recently, you'll notice that there have been vehicles spotted sporting some kind of logo. The logo is a yellow color depicting a circle outline and a filled triangle inside. This logo appears on some cars as well as various semi-trucks. These vehicles are often spotted around areas of importance to the theorized story, like the Dusty Divot Research Center and the mysterious base near Snobby Shores. This type of cars you see here are typically those driven by government agents, so many theories suggest there is some sort of political power within the Fortnite lore. Also, sidebar, for all those listening to this podcast and you only play Battle Royale, and you spend money on V-Bucks, you'll be better off spending the money to buy Save the World, get the additional playtime out of a good single-player game mode, and collect V-Bucks there because there are an assload of them. So there you have it, guys. That's just a small piece of Fortnite. You could literally go all night about theories on this game, on both Save the World and Battle Royale. But ultimately, there is only so much time in one day, or week, or however many hours of time and research I put into this episode. Whether or not that's me playing the game for fun or research purposes, I guess you'll never know. I swear I'm not an addict. We appreciate you all tuning into this week's episode of Video Game Mythos, and a huge shout out to everyone who's taken the time to submit characters and ideas to us to be on the show. This podcast is all about user interaction, and without the ideas and topics that you submit, we wouldn't be here. So thank you. Before I go, I have to take a second to let you know how else you can get involved. Is this your first time hearing an episode of our show? Well, if it is, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Podbean, Google Podcasts, or anywhere you can get your podcasts. So send us those suggestions, send your friends the link to this podcast, and may you send every one of your enemies to hell in your next drop in Fortnite. Thanks for listening to Video Game Mythos.